Hey guys, Josh here. Wanted to let you know we were experiencing some technical issues with this show, so if you hear some words or phrases kind of fizzle out, that's why. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Unrelated Brothers Podcast. My name is Josh, with me is Devon, and joining us again is James as we tackle on part two of the self-care, self-care episode that we earlier and James I know you brought to my attention that you had a question to or a quick an answer of one of the questions I had before right um you had asked if you should seek out a friend or a counselor to discuss like feelings or thoughts that you've been having um and I wanted to respond on that for friends um they're good to like get you out of that zone that you're in of feeling closed in the walls are tightening around you and you don't know what to do you're alone but if you have a friend that can get you out of that and get you outside of that area that is making you feel depressed and um, that will help However, uh, in my opinion and in my experience, a counselor allows you to understand your feelings and put your emotions into words. Um, And so this- uh, I definitely can agree on that. So like Devon, you said that you had gotten counseling at an early age. Mm. Um, I actually started getting counseling this year and- uh well overdue um and i should have done it earlier but uh my counselor was able to put my emotions and my thoughts that i was having into words and then find ways not to just cope but to get better and gave me skills or um things to do when I'm feeling like depressed or I'm just in a state where everything is moving around me and I'm just not participating in kind of like the feeling of you get in your car, you get on the highway, and then suddenly you're at your destination and you have no idea how you got there. And that's how I often was. And she would give, my counselor would give me ways to combat that. And then also was able to help me with the depression and the anxiety that I was feeling. Um, And then when I got to a point where I was having suicidal thoughts, my counselor was able to say, I'm not gonna degrade you about having these thoughts but I'm going to make a plan just in case if this does happen again, you're able to know you have a plan. There is a course of action that you are going to take and that there is people around you to make sure that that action happens. And whether it's going and talking to the nearest person around you or going to the nearest hospital and just getting a physician or a therapist 
someone to make sure that you're healthy and that you're safe. Um, whatever that plan is, um, my, I was able to get that kind of help from a counselor that I would have never gotten from a friend. Um, well, a friend think, may just put it off and say, you're fine, like this will pass. Uh, a counselor will take your feelings and emotions literally and will make sure that there is a course of action or that there is some type of help given. Right, I think uh, like a, an easy way to look at just it, you know, really generally is like a friend is kind of there to alleviate a little bit of maybe the pressure or to make things, you know, feel better, uh, give you, you know, maybe a pat on the back, you know, kind of just it's to make things maybe more appear a little bit better or easier usually. I mean, maybe a really good friend or a best friend can, you know, dive a little deeper and help to pull you out of that. But, you know, like you were saying, definitely just a friend kind of just falls into a lot more of that. But um, like a therapist or a counselor or something like that is going to listen. They're going to like dissect or break down what you're saying. I feel like a lot of times they're going to then after they've dissected it, give it back to you. So like not only are they taking into your feelings, but they're like they're <clears throat> re uh, clarifying and organizing them for you to look at and think about. And then on top of that, then, you know, most of the time, you know, as long as you're talking to somebody who's reasonable and good, you're not getting judged. You're just getting calm, you know, uh, having conversations about those things, which like I said, not only are they getting organized, but more times than not, like you said, it's about working towards ways to solve them. Okay. This is happening. So this is what you're telling me. So how did this make you feel? What can we do to make it better? Like those are kind of, I feel like the step-by-steps of what I remember. And I feel like that that's the biggest differences. Just quite frankly, you're talking to somebody who's more or less a professional, if not is a licensed professional. And I mean, you should approach it in that manner. Like you're getting real professional help, hopefully, as long as, like I said, you're, you're, you know, getting um getting it from like a real source or something not just somebody who claims to be you know what i mean the hardest thing is your friend has been there for however many years and like you you guys have a bond and so like you feel like you can approach this person with any of your problems but when you go to a counselor you're talking to a complete stranger who has no idea who you are and you're about to open up to this person the worst of yourself And like knowing that if I don't tell this person what I'm feeling, what I'm doing, they're not going to be able to help. So once you understand that I need to tell this person what's going in my head, then they'll be able to help me. And if I don't tell them that, I'm still going to feel like this and there's nothing going to be changed about what my habits are or what I'm thinking and I'm just going to continue to spiral down a path that will lead to something that no one wants well and wouldn't you agree too that in that scenario that by opening up to a complete stranger that it's actually it's harder in a sense but it's easier because 
your friend you may know have known for forever and maybe you don't want to tell them everything what if what if you have a really good friend you've known for you know 10 years but you were raped as a as a child or you were molested as a child and you don't want them to know that about you you know what i mean or if you talk to a completely complete stranger who's sworn to not give that information out you have that bit of secrecy and you have somebody who's not judging you and all those other things like i think i think in that regard it's actually a lot easier than people think and i think that you you know again going back to what i was saying on a previous episode about social stigmas like i don't think i think now in 2022 we're a little bit easier about social stigmas of taking pills that may or may not impact your mood uh seeing a therapist or going to a therapist regularly or things of that nature i think that's we're getting to a little bit more of an open-minded place about that where like people like like i remember back in the day uh like oh people go to the crazy house like i don't feel like you even really call it the crazy house anymore you know what i mean you gotta i personally don't feel like you do but i mean i could be wrong but um while we're on this i'd actually like to talk because I feel like this is an uncomfortable subject and um, talking about uncomfortable things. I think Josh, um, you had a story about, um, you know, how something had happened in your life and obviously it had emotional repercussions on you and, you know, your son and stuff, but um, you know, and if you want to tell us about. Yeah. So uh course me and my wife split up after eight years of being together five years of marriage and that was hard that was a uh, it took kind of blindside like I knew we had our struggles and then when she kind of come to me and was you know kind of you know let me know that it was almost like beyond repair it felt like but I didn't want to end it because I was so you know, mindset. That's all I know for eight years, you know, and she had kind of already moved on in a way, but I didn't want to let it go. So once I finally kind of got my mindset, right, like, yeah, this is the best thing. I was scared and I was depressed and I I didn't have anybody. I I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to. Um, I didn't want to talk to family about it. Uh, didn't want to spend the money. I didn't have the money to go spend on a counselor or nothing. Actually, Devon was about the only person I could, t- I felt like I could talk to with. I'm just going to put that out there. It, he was. And yeah, I, uh, because I, you kind of knew the situation because. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I was just going to actually throw that out there that uh, it's, it's a unique situation to talk about on the podcast too, because it's one that I can honestly say, you know, we were just talking about uh, the difference between a friend and a, and getting like, you know, um, I guess what real doctor help, I guess. I don't, I don't know what, how you want to clarify that, but um, yeah, but I think that, you know, that's a perfect example of that situation. I think because of the situation, like I was saying in the previous episode, a friend can, or like a best friend can get you through that because you're not, you're not looking for somebody to tell all your everything to it you're just looking for somebody to i feel like to to help you to be a part of it you know to to hear you and to support you and to you know 
I, I don't know. I mean, you continue to tell the story. I mean, I don't know, I guess, what I did for you, but I, I know that I was there and I was happy to be there. Well, it was kind of like I didn't know if I should, you know, keep fighting for the mayor or, you know, let it go. I was kind of blinding myself. Like I knew I should let it go, but I was so scared of change. I didn't want to let it go. And along with, you know, I had, we had a son together. I didn't want to, I was about to go from seeing him every day to, you know, having a split time with him. So I was terrified of that. Um, you know, just yeah, having quick, to move out uh, and everything. Yeah. Can you just touch on that too? Like I know you, some of the, I mean, I'm not going to put it out there cause I don't know what all you want to say to the, to the viewers or the listeners, but I mean, tell them, tell, tell them some of like how that's affected you. I mean, that's, I've, I know you've said to me some of the nights that you've had, and um, I think that's important to get out there. You know, I mean, that's part of bringing the self, self-awareness, you know? Yeah. So at first it, it was horrible. Uh, like I said, I, I was depressed, like very depressed. Like I didn't eat um, just the thought of you go from seeing your child every day to not. And then it got better. Uh I started using that week that, you know, I didn't have my son to work on myself. And one thing that we did, me and my ex-wife, we have a great co-parenting relationship. Like people just don't understand how we do it so well. It's because we put our differences aside and focus on our child. You know, we know that we're not going to be together. Why do we have to make it a burden on our child? All right. There's no reason that co-parenting cannot work. And I think that's another, that was another ease mindset for both of us is we don't have to, we don't have to worry about fighting each other. Make sure our son has everything that he needs in his life. You know, we don't argue about, Oh, well, you had him too long. There's been times where, you know, she needs to go somewhere or wants to take a vacation. Hey, can you watch? I know this is your week off. Can you, you know, you care to take them and, or, Hey, I need to go. Can I, Hey, I need to go out and uh, me and my boyfriend to go out on a date. Do you care if you watched your son? Of course, I'm not going to care if I watch my son. I'd love to. And it's the same way for her. If I need to do something, she watches him. And it's just having, it was easy. I'm 31 years old. I'm having to restart my life over again, you know? And there was times where like, man, I want to get back in the dating scene. But I wasn't mentally ready for it. And I tried it. And then it got shot down. And I went back into a kind of another depression state. Like, this is never going to happen again. Last year was great for me. I worked on myself. I did what I wanted to do. Now I think about none of that. I just focus on my son. And life's great. Um, um, well, first off, I want to applaud you on that. Because I don't feel like... I don't feel like enough people have that kind of ability to do that and that's actually something that you know again so going back to social stigmas i mean how often do you see a mom or or uh you know a man and a woman that were together whatever they split up and it's almost like they do take it out on the kid and it's like man if you guys just spend a little less time being so self-absorbed and and take care of this human like that human is literally a part of you like is literally cell by cell eyes hair you know whatever nose part of you that is part of you would you as a kid if you were your own parent would you want to treat yourself like that like no and i just don't understand i don't know when i watch 
some of the parents and, and some of those things that go on or some of the videos that I see, it's really, it's really rough. And then, I mean, too, how, I don't know, just too often, really, I see fathers who don't get their kids and yeah. the way the system's set up in a lot of States, it's not, it's not fair at all. Um, even to the point of like one of, I won't say, you know, who, but I mean, you will know obviously from saying this, but like, one of our buddies who, you know, we had gotten to know really well. And I think Josh went to school with him and stuff. Um, his baby mom was literally like doing cocaine and stuff and still would have full, you know, basically full custody of their son. And, you know, the father would get him like every other weekend or every like two weekends or three weeks. Like he just seemed like he'd never be able to have them. And constantly would be fighting, 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 and and they would never, you know, no matter what, would never be able to find. Like I think one time she even had tracks on her arm coming into court, and basically had almost no effect on her ability to have them. And obviously, like state by state, town by town, stuff. The basis may be different, but I just feel like, you know, it's a reoccurring theme. And talking about um, self care, I just feel like you know sometimes for some fathers out there, it's really tough to be. How can you? work on your self-care when uh, a vital piece of you uh, is being stripped from you and, and you literally just have no power, no control over it. Um, I don't know. Some, some of it's really tough. And um, if a parent, if there's abuse or you know, drugs of any sorts, there's no reason why the court system can't split parenting down the middle. Right. At all. Well, and, I mean, if, if there's nothing in general, like even if it's just 50, 50, I think it should be split down the middle. What, what makes it, I mean, for a baby, I get it right. But if you're talking a three, four, five, six year old kid or anything above that, what makes the father any less worthy of being the sole provider for that child? Truly. I mean, I, I, I that, that just, uh, to me, it, like I said, I keep bringing up social stigma. It's just bringing back up the social stigma that like moms are our parents and dads are, you know, we're the authoritarians or something. We're the, oh, we're just the punishment system. I mean, that's another thing, like just on a side note in my household, it is how it is and stuff. And, you know, it, it is okay. But like, I just want to even bring up that point. Like sometimes it's tough being, being dad because I feel like being dad for, for me anyway, is always like, Oh, I'm the one who's disciplining the kids. I'm the one who's yelling at the kids. I'm the one who's spanking the kids or whatever. And sometimes it gets tough. And I have to tell my significant other, like, you know, it, it hurts me when I have to constantly discipline the kids. And then when they get in trouble, then when they're always running to you, hugging you, loving on you, mom, 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 save me. And it's like, you know, then I'm always the bad guy. And it's like, I think that, a lot of dads have to deal with that. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. I mean, I don't no. love my child any less than you do. You know what I mean? And that's not what it's all about, but I, I, I'm just, sometimes that's how it feels. And I feel like, you know, as a father, that there's other pro possible, you know, fathers listening to the podcast who are going to be able to relate to that. And I think, you know, maybe even some mothers that can listen to that and go, Oh, geez, I never thought about it that way. And that's what we're here for. Um, and you know, we've talked, I think, a lot about some of those things, and I kind of want to turn a little bit away to a different aspect of self-care, which is just um, 
self-love, um, uh, self-appreciation and stuff. I mean, how often do you look at somebody else and you're envious of them and you might be a little jealous, a little mad? I think, I think we need to get away from that. Um, I think as a society, we need to get away from that. We need to get into an understanding that when you look at somebody else, looking, looking at your neighbor is not to be jealous of them. Sometimes it's to ask, hey, man, you know, how'd you do that? Hey, how'd you, how'd you figure this out? Or how'd you get so successful? Because if you never ask, you'll never learn. And I think as I continue to grow and continue to age, I feel infinitely more curious, um, often more confident and constantly, constantly finding that I am less and less jealous and upset or frustrated about what other people have and more appreciate, uh, more appreciative of what I do have and allowing that happiness to, um, illuminate my life or to benefit my life. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I actually think a lot of that starts in high school. You have this whole popularity idea. Guess what? When you graduate and get out into the real world, I don't mean jack shit right. at all. Like, agree more. there's a lot of people that I felt like was way more popular than I do. Guess what? I make a lot more money than they do now. Because yep. why? Popularity don't mean nothing. Yeah, they may well, have. And, and I just, I think that. How many people in high school did you go to high school that you know peaked in high school? Like, you shouldn't want your high school years to be your best years. Yeah, it's cool to be like, oh, I'm prom king and everybody loves me and I'm so cool and I'm so funny. Yeah, but like, I mean, what does that really get you? I mean, I've literally run into girls who I would have died to have dated back in high school who are like heroin addicts now. I mean, literally, their their life is destroyed i mean destroyed it's it's so unfortunate but it's the truth like i don't know people i completely agree with you people put way too much into high school too mm-hmm. and i think that's really what gets people you know it's a big mental thing like straight up mental and they feel like it's the same way when they get out of high school like they still have that same mentality but when you get out of high school you're it's you you're on your own you focus on you, right. all right? If if you're happy with the way that you're running life, that's great. You don't have to match somebody else's wealth or happiness. As long as you're happy with what you have, hey, that's great. You're living life. So, Well, I think, I think tying into that too, um, and James, you could probably vouch for this one or have a, uh, an opinion on this one, but like, stop. Stop worrying about what Lisa thinks over in aisle six while she's looking at you. Stop worrying about what your neighbor thinks about the car you drive. Stop thinking about, like, what do you think? Are you happy? Do you like it? Do you like the car you drive? Are you happy about it? Do you like the clothes you wear? Are you happy about it? Stop worrying about what other people think. Stop worrying about what other, uh, you know, other people are staring at you. Guess what? A lot of times, if you if you didn't worry about it, they would be jealous about how much you didn't care. They're just always finding something to be jealous about. And that's, like I said, that's what, as a society, that's what I'm talking about. You got to stop looking at people or stop ha- letting people look at you and letting it impact your day and, and taking that negative energy and jealousy and 
and and envy and all that and start worrying about how it affects you, how it makes you feel. And if anything, ask how you can get there. I mean, James, you're literally, t- t- I mean, you're, you're in like phenomenal shape now. You, you, you've been working out a ton and you're not, you're not doing it because society tells you to, you're doing it for yourself. Am I right? Right. Uh, partially though. Um, there is, I want to, uh, refer to this person that I've been watching a lot on his YouTube channel, but his name is Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical oh, yeah. psychologist. Love, I um, love Jordan Peterson. I've got two of his books, actually. One of the quotes that I think of a lot, or, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he says to compare yourself to the person you were yesterday instead of judging or comparing yourself to someone else. Because like like you said, that would be envious. Uh, and that's something that you want to avoid. But if you can compare yourself to the day you were before and say, I did more today than I did yesterday and I have improved and I'm better because of me doing more, then you're going in a right path. Um, and I think about that a lot. And so um, on since I've been training um and working out and this is week six right now that i'm in of my weightlifting that i'm doing um i i try to make it so that yesterday it it really hurt um i'm very sore right now but today is a different day and i'm gonna improve and i'm gonna do more reps i'm gonna do more weight and by the time next week I'm going to be doing even more weight. And so it's the constant improving and eventually I will get to a point where I've met my goal and being able to say that I'm back under 180 pounds and I look the best that I can and I'm in the best shape. I can't say that right now. Um, I can't say that I have. Like, well, I mean, uh, complete it's, self-love. It's probably, I mean, even because you were saying the weight stuff, even besides that, I mean, you, when you, when you get down to that, it's, it makes you feel good too. I mean, your, your body literally just feels good. I, I have a lot more confidence in myself now than I, than I did before. Uh, I started training and definitely way more confidence than I did a year ago. Um, I still have a long way to go and I'm going to continue to gain more confidence as I'm training. Um, But I'm not using this weightlifting training to get myself to look better for other people's attraction or other people's benefits. I'm doing it because I think it's fun. Um, I go to the gym. I have a great time. Uh, yeah, I'm sore the next day and it hurts to walk or my shoulders are in pain the entire week. But it's something that I consider a hobby. And it's something that also benefits my health. Right. Well, I think I, it's a great way to like clear your mind too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was, I, I did some running. Yeah, I'd say 2020 summer, I'd lost a lot of weight and I started running. 
just put in my headphones. I go out and walk and trail out at the park. And it was just, nobody was really on the trail, which made it great. And it was just a way to clear my head, think about a lot of stuff. I, I'm like you, I was tired the next day, but I'm like, I felt good. I mean, regardless if it's exercising or if it's playing video games, whatever it is, it's a release or an escape from whatever reality you're trying to get away from <laughs> or trying to um, express that emotions or that rage that depression or whatever into something that is beneficial to you right um so any rage depression or any kind of negative feelings i have um, at the time i i will go to the gym and i'm gonna lift a weight that will be able to allow me to exert enough energy so that i don't have that same emotion anymore um, I put my emotions into some action to get that release. I think that's, that's great. I think it's really healthy. And I, I think it's something that um, I think we've done a good job of normalizing. I think is actually, it's, it's something that is a lot more popular now than I feel like when I was a kid. Um, so I, 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 like I said uh, before, I actually am a big fan of uh, Jordan uh, Peterson. Um, I, so off the quote you said, I want to touch real quick on this Michael Jordan quote that I really enjoy. Um, not a huge Michael Jordan fan, but I just thought this was a great quote. So I'll touch on this one. Then I have something else, uh, I want to say too, but, um, somebody asked Michael, you know, well, who, who do you base your game off of to get better? Or who do you, who do you like, you know, if you're the best player, everybody views you as the pl- best player. You know, who do you compare yourself to to know if you're getting better or to try to get better? And he said, myself. He said, I he said I always I always try to beat myself. I always try to work harder than myself. Nobody can be better than the best version of myself. So he said, every day when I train, when I go to practice, I try to train harder than the you know than i basically trained the day before which is essentially the same quote as what you were saying from jordan uh, peterson which is why I, I brought it up is just the fact that you should be comparing the best version of yourself previously to what you are today or or tomorrow because you constantly want to get at least one percent better it's the it's the pursuit of getting 1% better. I'm not even going to say perfection because I don't believe that you can ever reach perfection. There will never in my life be a time that I believe that I am without flaw. And so I really like both those comments. Um, I think those are both great. Another one from uh, Jordan Peterson that I really took to heart too is that um, being a winner and a being a loser is a mindset. Um, it's borderline genetic and he talks about the fact that uh that on a you know almost cellular level you could see this among animals people whatever so you know it's it's consistent throughout throughout history throughout uh different species all that you innately basically form I don't want to say a caste system, but, you know, essentially a hierarchy, right? And the hierarchy is always 
based on losers on the bottom, winners on top, and so on and so forth. You know, you win more, you continue to go up the ladder. And he talks about how it is more than that because in things like crabs, you actually can watch a crab through its life cycle where if two crabs start out and one crab wins, then what does the, the one crab do? Well, it gets all the food. Well, it gets all the, the good you know, lighting, the good home, the good uh, you know, girl crab, what, what have you, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's bigger, it's stronger, it's healthier, the crab that loses sick doesn't get as much food doesn't get as much good you know light good nutrition what on you know what have you and this will continue and so when you hear people say oh yeah like they're a loser or they're a winner they're, they, they're a winner they just know how to win they say stuff like that that's what they mean they've won all their life they understand what it takes to win they understand what it takes to be great because they've put in the work, they put in the time and they've reaped those rewards. So they continue to understand the process. And I think that that is a true testament to the society. If you're doing good, you will continue more times than not to do good because you're, you're building on that. You're continuously building yourself up and building on that and improving on that. Or on the flip side, if you're losing, or if you're doing bad, or if you have some bad issues at your job, what's the first thing you think of? Oh, well, what's going to happen next? You know what I mean? Mm. What, what could go wrong now? You don't, you know, you don't think, oh, well, geez, I'm glad we got that. You know, that, that was unfortunate. I'm glad we got, got that out of the way. Now I'm going to go tackle this or that. No, most of the time you're like, you sulk and you're upset, whatever else. No, not a winner. No, a winner looks forward to what we're doing next. Okay, that didn't work out the way we wanted. What can I do better to improve myself or to improve my situation or to reach my goal? Because I'm still going to continue to strive for that. And I think, again, you know, that's what we're talking about. It ties into what we're talking about here is self-love and all those things. But, you know, make goals, real tangible goals for yourself that you can reach because at the end of the day, Reaching a real tangible goal and accomplishing real things, not uh, not just some participation trophy or something, some real tangible things will give you such a level of gratification and appreciation for yourself and what you accomplished that I think you'd be shocked. I mean, there's so many microtransactions of happiness and little shots of dopamine of false uh awards and false pats on the back that when you can get the genuine thing you will know the difference and you will start to strive for that and i think definitively that that will improve your life um among a lot of the other things that we've talked about and just you know keep it an ear out listen and listen to your kids listen to your friends you know we talked about can a friend help you friend can help you if you're listening if you're paying attention truly truly involved in paying attention yeah i want to cover one thing um you know when we talk about suicide and everything it, you know being a mental awareness in the description of these of the part one part two episodes you'll see the national suicide prevention lifeline which is free to call it's 1-800-273-TALK 1-800-273-8255 if you're feeling down 
all hope is not lost. Please call that number and talk to somebody. That's really, really great. Uh, I think that was, I will say, um, during the time that I had suicidal thoughts, that was uh, something that was brought up by my counselor was knowing that number, knowing how to find it. And if I didn't want to call that number, to call my counselor di- directly and to, re- regardless of what time it was, but to have someone professionally capable of helping me. Um, so uh, it's a good thing that you would recommend, like, and put that number out there for everyone to hear. Well, and, you know, I wasn't going to say anything just because it's, it's, you know, it doesn't feel good to say it or whatever, you know, but. I've called that number. I've, I have, I've called that number, um, called it once before. And, um, I don't think I shouldn't feel ashamed to say that. And I don't feel like anybody else should feel ashamed to say that Mm -hmm. if you need that help, uh, you should give them a call. Um, and just know that there's people out there who can help you and care about you. Um, but it's going to wrap us up for today's episode. And, uh, Thank you for coming as usual. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the support. It means a lot to us. Uh, we're hoping to continue, continue uh, reaching out to people and um, continue to, to make podcasts. We really enjoy it. So um, you can find us on Spotify and find us on Apple. Thanks, guys. Catch us on the next episode as usual. Bye.